You're listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, where you get valuable information you just can't find anywhere else. To thrive in today's trying times, you need the Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and get your free newsletter and gift. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Welcome. You are watching, listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. Today is October 7th. 2021. Well, I don't know where you're going to be on October 19th, but I am going to be at the New Orleans Investment Conference uh, for three days with our good friend Brian London. And uh, I suggest you come too. If you're there, just uh, hey, send me an email and maybe we'll have a meetup. Uh, Brian, it's great to have you back on. I'm really looking forward to the conference. And hey, but in the meantime, what the heck is going on with precious metals? They don't appear to be uh, behaving rationally. You'd think in an environment with inflation baked into the cake, we would be seeing major increases in gold and silver and like we have in so many other commodities. Yeah, you would think that. And, you know, either gold is not responsive or it's hyper responsive. There's really two ways to look at it. If you're in the hyper responsive camp, you can say that when right after COVID hit from late March or mid-March until August, uh, the price of gold went up 30 percent. Silver did much better. Mining stocks did incredibly well. And then we spent essentially since that point kind of correcting that that really overheated run. Uh, and we've given back about a third of those gains to a half of those gains. So it has been, while longer than we would think, it's been kind of a typical correction in gold's long history. If you look at its long history, it's it's not really out of the ordinary from that standpoint. And right now, I think, uh, and gold's original run was kind of forecasting everything we've seen since then, the tremendous policy uh, prescriptions uh, from the Fed and the fiscal spending. Now, I think gold is kind of waiting to see what's going to happen on the fiscal spending front, but also on the, uh, the monetary policy front. The Fed is talking about normalizing policy to some degree, starting to taper and then eventually starting to raise rates again. But there's a, uh, a good bit of skepticism as to whether they can actually do that, given the reliance of all the financial markets on this uh, easy, ultra easy money. And uh, the fact that the debts, uh, debts in general, but particularly the federal debt has grown so large that higher interest rates are really fundamentally impossible at this point, at least to be allowed by the Fed, because the, the cost of servicing those debts would uh, swamp the, the, the federal budget. So uh, the Fed is really constrained on a lot of fronts. And I think gold is really in a holding pattern right now to see what it can do and what it's going to try to do. All right. So uh, so it's just curious, though, that uh that it's stuck in this holding pattern because the consensus was we have inflation. It's not going to be transitory. It's going to be uh, pretty much baked in for years to come. And yet uh, the best hedge of them all, gold is, uh, like you say, in a holding pattern. So what about the uh, effect of cryptocurrencies? Do you think they have an effect on the price of gold? Yeah, I, I think they have. I think they've had an effect on all speculative markets. It is a speculative trade at this point. 
the the people who have bought crypto because they believe in it as you know a fundamentally different way of of using money uh, a store of value and the way things will be in the future those people bought long ago and they're holding tight the uh the price though is set on the margins for crypto as it is with any commodity or asset so people buying now are buying because they believe somebody else will be willing to pay more for it in the future and they're buying on trends so I think crypto, that's a long way of saying that crypto, I think, has stolen some of the speculative buying from gold and other assets. But I don't think it's stolen much of the store of value or real money or wealth insurance kind of buying from gold. All right. Well, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Do you think that governments, we've seen it in China, uh, you think governments are going to crack down on cryptos and be successful in their crackdown? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they are. We've seen that obviously from China. We've seen a lot of noise from the U.S. about regulation. Uh, Gensler at the SEC is is pretty much hell bent to regulate crypto. And I think the, the real big threat to crypto is going to come from central bank digital currencies because they will remove a good bit of the usage argument for uh, for cryptos, for private cryptos. And, uh, and allow the, the government to kind of take over from private cryptos for a lot of uh, uses and, um, you know, and, and pretty much uh, get the monopoly on, on that. So I think central bank digital currencies are on the way, both as a tool for efficiency, but also as a tool for government control over the, uh, the finances of the populace. So it's, it seems like that's baked into the cake as far as I'm concerned. All right. Well, so what about what's going on in China here? Uh, hear a lot of talk about it, Brian. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, when you watch these videos, their real estate market, it isn't just a financial mess. It is an infrastructure mess. Uh, quality doesn't seem to be too big a uh, fixation or too high of importance in a lot of these Chinese cities. All they care about is selling the real estate, getting the money so they can do stuff. You know, the infrastructure seems to really be uh, very dodgy, to say the least. Don't just survive, thrive. The Financial Survival Network. Lumina Gold, ticker symbol LUM on the Toronto Venture and LMGDF on the OTC is yet another of legendary mining investor Ross Beatty's Lumina Group. It's advancing the largest primary gold deposit in Ecuador. The resource is estimated to contain 16.7 million ounces of gold and 2.2 billion pounds of copper. At just $7 US per ounce gold equivalent, it trades at an incredible 13% of its net present value. More good news is on the way with an updated PEA study expected in Q2 of 2020. It has unparalleled infrastructure. There's grid power to camp with plentiful, inexpensive hydropower available. It's close to two ports and is just eight kilometers from a paved highway. Water is plentiful. It's at low elevation and the closest community, which is very supportive of Lumina's effort, is just a seven kilometer ride. With all this going for it, it's likely to follow the typical Ross Beatty formula, which means big returns to shareholders. Find out more and sign up for notifications at luminagold.com. That's Lumina, L-U-M-I-N-A, gold.com. This is the Financial Survival Network, the information you need to thrive now more than ever.
Yeah, there there are a lot of holes in the Chinese economy and a lot of assets and assets held by banks are, are really aren't there. They're they're just, uh, you know, paper assets and not marked to market, as it were. And a lot of that obviously is hidden by the, the Chinese government and obscured. So um, it it really has the potential to uh, to be a big factor across the world as far as demand and supply chain issues. A lot of China's economy is insulated from the West. Uh, sure, there are a lot of Western investors in the um, uh, the so-called proxies for Chinese stocks. So they would take hits if there is some kind of contagion or, or issue in China. But I don't see it spreading that far. The, the issue for China, a slowdown in China would be in uh, commodities to a large extent, because it is the uh, the biggest user of a lot of commodities, and in some cases, the largest producer as well. All right. So this is a really interesting uh, thing ahead. You know, we haven't seen uh, things this interlinked, interwoven before. And now, you know, when China has a uh, has a cold, the rest of the world seems to get pneumonia. Yeah, you know, we had a tremendous bull market in commodities in the 2000s, copper in particular, also gold and silver, and, and really the whole gamut of commodities, because China was a demand sink. It was, it was growing so quickly, the Chinese economy was growing so quickly. Now, we haven't seen the, the kinds of really nearly double-digit growth rates that we saw back then in the Chinese economy. We've seen that moderate a good bit. But the thing to remember about China is the economy is about three times larger today. So you don't need those kinds of growth rates to have the same effect on the commodity markets. So I, I think that we could have a slowdown in, in the Chinese economy, and it would have an effect on commodities, primarily copper and base metals. But I think that the fundamental supply-demand stories for those metals are still so strong with, in particular for copper, the electrification of transportation, EVs, et cetera, um, that it really is the, one of the places to be for the long term. All right. Well, um, interesting things happening in the world here. Hey, tell us what's going on with the conference. you got a really amazing lineup of guests. Uh, I've been to the conference a number of times. I'm going this year, like I said. Uh, if you want to go, then uh, you got to clear out from... October 19th to the 22nd. So just tell us uh, what uh, what you have planned for us. Yeah, uh, we have a blockbuster event. You know, it, we had to go virtual last year. This year, we're returning to in-person. And it's going to be like a big homecoming for investors from across the world. And New Orleans is recovered from uh, that hurricane that came through. The COVID infection rates have plummeted. So I, it's going to be a very exciting event, and especially because of our blockbuster uh, speaker lineup. You know, we have Dr. Ron Paul, we have James Grant, Jim Rickards, Danielle DiMartino Booth, Jim Urio, Doug Casey, John Nigerian, uh, Rick Rule, Peter Schiff, Dave Collum, Grant Williams. Uh, Tavi Costa, Lawrence Lepard, George Gammon, Brent Johnson, Peter Bookvar. And, you know, it just goes on and on. Dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, really top thinkers in the financial markets today. And I encourage anyone, if they're not aware of these speakers or some of these speakers, go to our website, Google their names, and you're going to see why this is this is going to be an event that's not to be missed. It's just going to be spectacular. All right. Well, hey. So uh, just tell us the website there, Brian, so we can uh, get all signed up. 
Simply put, www.neworleansconference.com. All right. And uh, that link is in the show notes to this interview on Financial Survival Network. If you've got a question for Brian, just shoot me an email to kl at kerryletz.com. We'll get it answered for you. Brian, can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks. We'll be there shortly. I can't believe it. Actually, less than two weeks, 12 days. Yeah, it, Carrie, I'm looking forward to catching up with you again. It is coming up quickly. So anybody who wants to come, they need uh, to, to make their plans now. All right. Again, the website's neworleansconference.com. Couldn't be any easier than that. Sign up now. And uh, hey, we'll go get some uh, nice Creole cooking, some good Cajun food there, uh, best seafood, best oysters around. And uh, just the uh, the dining feast is well worth the trip. And again, just if you got a question for Brian, shoot it off to me, kl at kerryletz.com. Brian, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Carrie. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, your solution to today's trying times. For the latest, go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever.